I'm Robert Puente, and you are listening to the Water Values Podcast. The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations. By Xylem, Let's Solve Water. By the American Water Works Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. By Black & Veatch, Building a World of Difference. By Trinex, Trust in What's Next. By Mentor APM, Intelligent Asset Management Software, Built for Water. By Woodard & Curran, High-Quality Consulting Engineering, Science, and Operation Services. And by Intera, Innovation and Stewardship for a Sustainable Tomorrow. This is Session 244. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh man, do we have a great show for you today. Will Hughes of Amazon Web Services joins us and he delivers the goods, no pun intended. Hey, I got to get a dad joke in once in a while, right? Anyway, Will does a tremendous job explaining AWS's water positive program, and he really dives into some great detail on AWS's water stewardship. So get ready for a treat. You're really going to enjoy this episode, and Will does a fantastic job. Well, as you know, we always start the pods by saying thank you to our awesome sponsors at the top of every show. Uh the sponsors of the Water Values Podcast for 2023 include Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, Black & Veatch, Trinex, Mentor APM, Woodard & Curran, and Intera. And that, my friends, is a terrific collection of impactful companies that have decided to support water industry thought leadership and education. So thank you all. You're doing a great job. Appreciate it. And I'd like for you to do me a favor if you work for or with any of the sponsors, thank your boss or thank your contact at the sponsor firm and let them know that you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. You'd be surprised how far that simple little note of thanks will go. Hey, and as long as you're letting the sponsors know you appreciate their support of water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, or wherever you're accessing the podcast? It'd be greatly appreciated. And of course, helps others find out about the podcast. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Yes, I understand that might be important. Well, it's time for the main event. Here comes the interview with Amazon Web Services, Will Hughes. So let's get that water flowing. Well, Will, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Great to have you on. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, really looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, for starters, could you give us a little uh, thumbnail on your background and how you came to the water sector, at least got to be involved with water? Sure. I'll try to do it without giving you my entire life story, but <laughs> it, it goes back about uh, almost 20 years now. And my undergrad days when I, I came across water as, as this issue that not a lot of folks were focusing on. Um, but it seemed like there were a lot of challenges, a lot of risks, a lot of opportunities um, that we weren't accounting for as a society. So I ended up starting my career working in the nonprofit space for a group called American Rivers, spent a number of years doing federal water policy, Clean Water Act reform. And then uh, after that, spent a number of years doing water infrastructure finance, 
uh, working with public water utilities across the U.S., thinking about different ways to deliver and finance water uh, infrastructure. And then finally, about four and a half years ago, came to Amazon Web Services and started building our global water sustainability program, um, and uh, which culminated in the launch of our water positive program last year, where we're committing to return more water to communities than we use in our operations. Yeah, so it, it's interesting to me that uh, one of the FANG companies uh, has water on its radar. Um, could you could you provide a little context of why, you know, why a, a web-based uh, you know provider is is interested in water? What what? Sure. Yeah. How how's it how's it relate to that? Yeah, it's a really simple answer, and, the, and it is that we use water in cooling our data and our data centers. So, AWS is the largest um, and, and most mature cloud service provider globally. Uh, we have data centers that support that web infrastructure across the world, and uh, in many places, not all, but in many places, we use water for cooling. So. The reason we do that is because it really helps us use a lot less energy and helps us meet our other sustainability goals, like our net zero carbon and our 100% renewable energy goal, both of which is it's really essential that we accelerate progress towards those goals. Um, and so water helps us use a lot less energy and helps us meet those goals because the alternative really is to flip on the air conditioner, and that takes a lot of energy. If we use a direct evaporative cooling system, that allows us to instead pull out the heat in a, in a much more efficient process. Um, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we are using water in a responsible manner, which led to the development of the water positive program. And um, but before we even get to, you know, how we're going to return water to communities, it all starts with a really careful analysis uh, up front when we're thinking about building data centers in your region. We want to make sure that we're making decisions about water use in a way that's in the interest of the community and the company and our customers. And so in some places, uh, say, for example, Cape Town, South Africa or data centers in India, we look at those and say, you know what? Yes, uh, water can help us be more energy efficient here, but it's just there's too much water scarcity. Um, it's not the right decision for us or the community to use water in those places. So really, the, the combination of these different goals around renewable energy, around carbon, around water, by setting all of those together, that allows us to manage the those different resources together and drive towards maximal water efficiency, energy efficiency, and making sure that we're doing it in a way that's responsible for the community. That is great context for, for uh, corporate responsibility in terms of uh, water usage. Uh, you've, you've mentioned this um, water positive program or the water sustainability program that Amazon has. Could you, could you talk a little about developing that and kind of what the pillars are and how you Sure. Let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So the overall goal is to return more water to communities than we use in our operations by 2030. So we, you know, another way of saying that is we want to make sure we're having a net positive impact on water resources where we operate. And so there's there's four key ways that we're looking to do that. The first three are directly related to our data centers. So one is around efficiency. 
we want to make sure we're taking as little water um, from the, the water systems at service as possible. Uh, and, and we do that by minimize that water use by really carefully tracking our water use in real time using Internet of Things technologies hosted by AWS. Uh, that allows us to look at how much more water we're using in real time. And if we use more than we expect, then we can say, oh, we have a problem over here. Let's go figure it out. Make sure that we're eliminating continuously working to eliminate any potential water waste. And we've made great progress on that efficiency pillar already. Uh, we first announced our water use efficiency last year. It's kind of it sounds a little bit wonky, but the measure for data centers is how much how many liters of water do you use per kilowatt hour of energy used in your data center? The industry average that's normally cited is around 1.8 liters per kilowatt hour. We were we when we first announced it last year, we're about 0.25 liters per kilowatt hour. So 1.8 to 0.25. And then we just updated that number for last year um, for 2022, and it went down to 0.19 liters per kilowatt hour. So making great progress on efficiency, more that we're working to do there. Second, um, we are working to use sustainable sources of water wherever possible. And we define sustainable as recycled water uh, and rainwater that we harvest uh, on our site. Really, the, most of that is, is more on the recycled water uh, side of things. And that recycled water is just treated sewage. So you can't use it for lots of other things, but you can use it safely for cooling a data center. And to the extent that we use recycled water, we can leave the higher quality, cleaner water for other uses like you know, drinking and uh, other things like that. And then third, we are um, working to reuse our cooling water in some places. After we've used it a number of times, we cycle it through our system as many times as we can. We've got to bring in fresh water. But that cooling water can still be used for other things uh, safely. And so in one of our largest regions uh, in eastern Oregon, we are sending our cooling water directly to farmers for use in irrigation. So we're really maximizing the benefit of, of the water that we're um, bringing into our data centers and then sending out. And then so those first three are really around our data center operations, minimizing our impact within our own four walls as much as possible. And then the final way that we get to water positive is to also invest in projects in the communities where we operate to really address whatever the key water issue is in that watershed. So in India and Indonesia, we've been focusing on expanding water access where people don't have clean water in their homes. In parts of the Eastern US and in Europe, we're more focused on improving water quality, in particular, uh, reducing polluted runoff from uh, urban areas or from farm fields. And then in other places like in Cape Town, South Africa and in California, we're focused on addressing water scarcity, recharging groundwater and increasing the amount of water that's available to the community. All of that, those four pillars together add up to water positive. Got it. Now, I'd like to dive into some of these, you know, the pillars a little more. But before that, I want to You've you've mentioned India, Cape Town, uh, California. All you've you've mentioned these places around the globe. Uh, so, how how do you go about the decision making process? You know, in terms of figuring out what is important to the locals. So this kind of think globally, act locally uh, approach to to water stewardship uh, in the communities you operate in. Can you talk a little more about developing those relationships yeah. and things like that? 
Yeah, it's really it's a blend of art and science. You know, you can you can look at data, and and we've been really exploring a lot of different data sources and uh, how, uh, looking at okay, what are the water access rates? What are the groundwater levels? What are the levels of uh, concentration of pollutants in different water sources? Uh, although, you know, at the end of the day, you can have all that data, and it's still a question of well, how do you compare one to the other? How do you decide if water quality is more important than water quantity? And that's really where you have to go listen to the folks in the community and hear what they're concerned about. And so we engage with nonprofit partners that end up delivering a lot of the projects that we're supporting in those communities. We engage with policymakers, ask them what uh, is on their radar and what their priorities are. And, you know, it's, and at the end of the day, making a decision based on that blend of data and community input. And so just for example, um, you know, in, in Cape Town, uh, South Africa, we've worked with Nature Conservancy. They have a water fund there. And uh, as many listeners may remember, back in 2018, there was uh, the, the big drought and the uh, Cape Town was approaching day zero when they were going to have to turn off the water taps. And so one of the responses that the community and NGOs and government developed was to think about how do we increase the yield coming into our reservoirs, the amount of water that's coming into our reservoirs. And one of the problems they identified was that there were a lot of invasive species in the watershed that were soaking up the water that could otherwise flow down into the reservoirs. And so part of what we've supported is an effort to remove those invasive species. And there's some really cool dramatic pictures uh, and videos of people uh, you know, rappelling down cliffs into remote parts of this watershed to go find those invasive species and remove them. And we supported clearing a, a number of hectares there. But it was really a project and a, and a program that was developed by local government, by NGOs um, to respond to what that key need was. And and we kind of came in and, and saw that that was what the need was and helped support that. In, in other places where we come in a bit earlier in the process, and start engaging with NGOs, and um, and there may not be already an identified uh, set of projects that they need to do, but we'll work with them to engage with local community stakeholders, local governments to identify those and um, come up with a project that we can then support. That's awesome. I, I who would have thought that invasive species would turn around and and be so integral in kind of a water management or a water sustainability plan? It's that's fascinating that you've you've gone down and uh, undertaken yeah. these types of projects. Uh, so l- let's, let's get back to water efficiency. Uh, you indicated uh, 0.25 to 0.19 in the key metric, which is liters uh, per kilowatt hour. Uh, what, what are exactly. the, what are the steps you take to improve that? You know, how, how, how do you, how do you identify the, the next metric or the next, project you need to undertake to lower that what's what are some examples there yeah it's it's i think mostly a matter of continuous improvement as i mentioned before part of it is bringing in the the services uh and the capabilities that aws is really great at one of which is internet of things um technology and so by integrating that into our data centers and being able to monitor that water use in real time just shining a, a light on something like this, like water use, is a huge step forward. Uh, you, you don't have a leak then that goes on for months or years because you're looking at it closely and saying, 
we know that all our other data centers in this area are using this much water. Why is this one using so much more? And um, that allows you to really identify where there may be problems so that you can, can fix those. So that's one of the big ones is just having the data, being able to continuously monitor and improve. We also, as I mentioned, uh, we cycle our water through data centers as uh, through our cooling units as many times as possible. And, and really that goes back to how we design the cooling systems. There are cooling systems that use a lot more water. Cooling towers use a lot more water, but we prioritize and, and really wherever possible use a direct evaporative design that uh, uses uh, much less water than the, the the standard approach and is also very energy efficient. And so that helps, um, That that's really a, a big first step is is starting with that design that that helps us minimize water use and then you know constantly looking at operational changes we can make uh where we said um when we turn on the water use for cooling other things new technologies um there's kind of a, i'd say a lot of it it starts with design and the continuous improvement but then we're always have an eye on the horizon and are thinking about what are the new things technologies operational sequences we could use to keep driving down our water use, keep improving our efficiency over time. What about what about the different regions you operate in? Are there areas where you've been able to achieve greater efficiencies um, in in water usage, or and and if so, are those areas? Is there a unique aspect of those geographical areas where that that allows you to achieve those efficiencies? You know, the a lot of the water use is driven by temperature, right? You turn on the, the cooling system when it gets hot. So all of our, our data centers, our, our water-cooled data centers, our direct evaporative cooling design, for a, a lot of the year, the, the majority of the year in most places, we're actually just using outside air uh, for cooling, and we're not using any water. And so in parts of Northern Europe, you know, we're only using water for cooling less than 10% of the time. And, and so it really is temperature dependent in warmer places where more of the year you have hot days where you need to cool the data center with water, you end up using more water. Um, and, and, you know, when it's cooler, you don't need to. So a lot of it really is weather dependent, but we also, you know, that, that's not to say it lets you off the hook. Um, just say it's hot, we use water. We, we use metrics that are temperature adjusted to say, okay, how much water are we using relative to the climate here? And how do we continue to drive improvement in our efficiency um, indexed to that weather? So, you know, I'd say it's it, the short answer is um, we use more water where, where it's hot, we use less where it's cool. But um, there's also that question, as I mentioned earlier, of where is it just not the right decision? for us, for our customers, for the community to use water for cooling. And um, so there are some hot places where we just say we're not going to use water and um, we'll use a, a different type of system to, to cool. So it's all very region dependent um, in terms of how much water we use. Got it. Got it. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. Uh, let's turn to what you've talked about before is the sustainable sources aspect of all this. And you've kind of mentioned partnerships that you've, uh, you know, working with the locals. Are there any examples that you can give of working with uh, the locals on um, on a sustainable source 
uh, for, you know, for your cooling activities? Yeah, the, the so the the main sustainable source, as I mentioned, is recycled water, and really, this where we're using recycled water, it is very much in partnership with a local utility that has made the decision to invest in recycled water infrastructure because of all the benefits that it brings to the community. As I mentioned before, recycled water is treated sewage. Um, even in a drought, people continue to make sewage, and so. Having recycled water as a source is really a, a resilient and drought-proof supply. And so it makes, as we look forward and, and we continue to see the impacts of climate change, and there's this big report in the New York Times today about groundwater depletion, um, you know, having making the most of those types of resilient drought-proof supplies is really hugely important for communities. Um, and, and some have invested in them already and, and some haven't yet, um, but we think we'll see a lot more of that. So where we're using recycled water uh, today is these are big, expensive systems and uh, where it's available today, we're using it. So Loudoun Water um, in, in Northern Virginia, uh, we're, we've connected uh, many of our data centers there to recycled water. We're using it in California in, in some places. Um, and those are the places that have really built out the high level of treatment needed to provide a high enough quality of recycled water. Not every treatment plant has enough, has a high enough level of treatment to enable recycled water. Yeah, but you, we're, we're not just, yo, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I just, what, it just kind of struck me as you were talking, is there a regulatory regime to approve data centers using recycled water for for cooling purposes yeah it's it's varied and in the u.s it's state by state but uh typically there are a set of allowed uses for recycled water that require a certain level of quality for different types of uses and in in some places we've helped to push uh through approvals to say yes you can use recycled water and date in this type of cooling system in a data center where it hadn't really been done before so we're, we're helping to expand the allowable uses, uh, and we're also helping to invest in the infrastructure. So when we build a new data center, uh, most of the time, even if there is a recycled water system there, it's not right outside of our data center. And so we've, we've invested a lot in building out the distribution network in these different places to bring recycled water to our data centers that also others could um, connect to to use, expand the use of recycled water. And, and then we're also looking at, okay, in places where there isn't really a recycled water infrastructure system in place, how can we work with the utility to make the broader set of investments there, which may include upgrades to the treatment plant to enable recycled water use within the community. And we're starting to think about creative ways that we can do that so that we can really push uh, more communities to 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 create the recycled water infrastructure that will help them weather droughts and um, impacts of climate change. Awesome. It sounds fascinating uh, to, to put that puzzle together that you've, you've, you know, in terms of gaining greater, greater efficiencies and sustainable sources and reusing it. It's just, uh, it, I, I find it a, just a, again, a fascinating puzzle. Yeah. So let's turn to that last pillar, the water replenish, water replenishment pillar. We kind of uh, talked about earlier. Uh, do you have any, you know, tips for, for corporate engagement with locals and how you, you know, 
achieve that water replenishment goal in the regions you're, you're doing business in? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, there's, it's still a relatively new space, um, the corporate water stewardship and, and water replenishment. And most of what folks have done to date is to invest in watershed restoration projects and water access projects, which we're also investing in and are great projects. But one of the things that we're thinking about now is not just how can we invest in projects so that we meet our goal, but but also how can we invest in the most innovative projects um, and technologies and business models and financing models so that at the end of the day, we're not just benefiting the communities where we're supporting projects, but so that we're also helping to highlight and bring to the fore these innovations are gonna help drive broader change within the water sector and, and help address the really daunting set of water challenges that we're facing in, in the US and around the world. So one example there is, is the work that we've done with water.org. Uh, you know, we've, we've supported projects with multiple different groups that are focused on wash and water access and sanitation and hygiene, um, but really love the water.org model because it not only goes and brings people clean water, but it really leverages the power of um, microfinance to unlock a broader set of impacts. So they really recognized that they could do reach more people with clean water by working with local microfinance institutions to get them small loans to bring piped water, clean water into their homes. That really the barrier for the most part was that people didn't have the upfront few hundred dollars to connect their water to connect their house to a water system. And so they could, with a bit with a small loan, they could end up paying a lot less per month to actually get clean water coming into their homes instead of going out and buying it from an expensive truck where quality might not be very good. And they'd be better off and we can reach a lot more people by helping unlock these markets. And so that type of really innovative thinking around water access, um, I think is the type of innovation that we want to invest in. Another example that I think of is, you know, how can we provide the types of technologies that are built on AWS cloud technologies that will, for example, help water utilities identify leakage in their systems so that we can help them pinpoint that loss and, and make sure that more of the water they have available, have available actually gets to customers. And so that's, I think, one of the guiding lights in the North Stars for us in this program is identifying the projects that are gonna do the most to drive innovation, have the biggest impact across the water sector, not just for our um, communities, but also more broadly and, and help address those big set of challenges that we're facing. Absolutely. It's great to, great to see a company like Amazon Web Services moving in that direction and, and supporting water sustainability and corporate stewardship. So thanks for your work, Will. Uh, you've been absolutely fantastic. I've learned a lot today. Uh, it's, it's always eye-opening when I talk with corporate folks to hear, um, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense when I say corporate folks. <laughs> uh, it, it's... Um, it's, it's always great to hear how our corporations are achieving you know, water stewardship and sustainability and doing so, uh, doing well by doing good. Um, so, absolutely. so will, do you have a kind of a leave behind message? Is there, is there kind of a theme you'd like to leave us with before we, before we sign off? 
I, I just think it's going back to this innovation point. I think there, into the point you just made, there's a, there's a lot of neat work going on in corporate water stewardship. And I think there's a lot more that we can do to help lead the way. Um, not obviously going to solve all the problems, but I think there's real potential for broader partnership between governments, private sector, uh, NGO community. And I think we're starting to see that with uh, certainly in the program that, that we are uh, implementing here at AWS, but there are more and more corporates that are focused on this space. And so I would just invite uh, any stakeholders that are, you know, engaged in, around water issues in their community, um, in government, in the private sector, to, to think about how we break down some of those walls. And because there's a lot of eagerness to go identify and support projects that are gonna bring tangible Im impacts in the water sector. Um, so let's open up those conversations and, um, and, and help address some of these big war challenges. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Will. Uh, before we sign off for those who want to find out more about you and your work at AWS, where would you send folks to get more information? We have a page on our water stewardship program. So just search for AWS, uh, water stewardship, and, uh, you'll find, kind of the latest and greatest on what we're achieving and the different projects we're supporting, how we can get to the water positive goal. And, and we'll keep updating that as we get towards 2030 and, uh, and meet that goal. Awesome. Well, Will, again, thanks so much. It's really great to uh, have spoken with you today and I appreciate your time. So very much appreciative of it. And we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks, Will. Take care. Man, Will was terrific. I, I really like the working with local communities angle he he uh, described in tailoring water sustainability to the local climate. That's just great insight and information from Will. So thanks very much, Will. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with me. Uh, I would love to know what you, the listener, thought about the interview. Please check out the show notes page for information and links on this episode. Just Google the Water Values Podcast. Click the first link that comes up. That's our home on the web at Bluefield Researches website. As many of you know, if you are regular listeners, the Water Values LLC and Bluefield Research are not affiliates. We just have a joint marketing arrangement. And as part of that, Bluefield gives us a home on the web. Well, you can email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com and you can sign up for the newsletter at that landing page I mentioned earlier as well. Thank you again for tuning in and I hope you make it a great day. Plus, I want to give a huge thank you again our fantastic sponsors. Sponsors of the podcast include Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, Black & Veatch, Trinex, Mentor APM, Woodard & Curran, and Interra. This show would not be possible without those great companies and industry leaders. And thank you for listening and subscribing to the Water Values Podcast. Your support is truly appreciated. Thank you very much. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it.
You've been listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Well, thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else. Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.